What's up, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Tabletop for Two podcast. I'm Brad Van Vutt. I'm Emily Van Vutt. So we are back uh, pre-Unpub episode. We're going to be going to Unpub this weekend. Yes, very um, excited. Yeah, so those of you that are listening to the show on Friday, and if you're in the Baltimore metropolitan area, uh, definitely check that out to the Baltimore Convention Center downtown. Um, it's free, so play test a lot of cool games. See you there, possibly. Um, looking forward to that. Later in the show, we're talking all about cooperative games today um, and how they break down with two players. Um, but first, a real quick reminder of where you can find the show. Uh, you can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, all at Tabletop for Two. You can subscribe to us on iTunes uh, and Pocket Cast or any other podcatcher, and soon to be on SoundCloud, as Honey told me. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's going to be uploading all of our episodes to there at soundcloud.com slash tabletop for two. Yep, and hopefully I'll have that all those uploaded by the end of the weekend, and then we'll just be publishing the episodes on there as well. Just another way that you guys can find the show. Um, so a couple new games we've been getting in. Uh, a couple, uh, well, actually just one Kickstarter game that we've gotten <laughs> in the mail recently uh, that we got to the table, and it's near and dear to our hearts, of course. Um, it's Eminent Domain Exotica, the new expansion uh, for Eminent Domain. We actually playtested this. We did. We did a couple of times. Um, so this one, it adds uh, a new planet type, exotic planets. Well, actually, two new planet types, really, because it also has asteroids yeah. in the game as well. Um, and those those create some interesting things. So the the asteroids um, don't do much on their own. You could you could mine them to flip them over, but then by themselves they don't do anything. They're not worth any points. They might have a resource slot on them, but not always. Not true. I had a starting asteroid that was worth points. Well, just because it was your starting planet, though, like like all the all the asteroids in the deck, 10, yes, they're yeah, not we're not worth points. anything. Um, but the key is there are some technologies that you can buy that give you bonuses depending on how many face up asteroids mm-hmm. you have in front of you. So, like, I had one where um, it was based off of the survey roll, so I it let me draw an extra card, but then it let me draw an additional card for each face up asteroid. So there was one turn where I got to draw four extra cards because I had a bunch of asteroids in front of me, which is kind of unheard of in Eminent Domain to be able okay. to get that much card draw on one turn. Um, so that's pretty cool. Uh, the exotic planets lets you interact with the planets in different ways. Basically, the exotic planets have symbols on them uh, that work as like decoders so that they're the some of the new technology cards have this alien symbol in the top corner. And uh, if you have a proper decoder, you can use those symbols to represent um, other roles that are in the game as well. And and there's a whole stack of technologies for the exotic planet. But you have to watch out because they could be worth negative points as well. Yeah, if you have too many planets with alien symbols on them, uh, it actually can decrease the value of some of your exotic worlds. So you have to, like Emily said, you have to be careful there. Um, we've only played it so far with just the base game. We haven't mixed in the escalation expansion that yet. That would have been too much at once. Well, that is like uh, Seth Jaffe, the designer, even like strongly recommends playing a couple of games with just the base game and the Exotica expansion. So before are we going to play a in. couple more with just that? Oh yeah, yeah, absolutely. But I do like the expansion quite a bit. Um, there's a little, there's a thread on BGG where somebody asked if this one is as essential as Escalation is, and I don't think that's the case. Um, but it's cool. Oh, if if you're a fan of Eminent Domain, you're definitely going to want to pick it up just because it opens up a lot of cool new strategies. That well, uh, I mean, come on, we're such big fans. We bought a a game that you need to have at least three players to play. Just because has the Eminent Domain yeah, name on exactly. it. So. <laughs> no, so that, but yeah, so Exotic is cool. But if if you if you're only going to get one expansion, I still think that I mean, early on Escalation would still be the way to go. 
Um, but this this is a great choice if you are like a fan of the game, if you played it a lot, and you're just looking for something to inject like new life into the game and more variety into the game. We need to try scenarios again. Yes, yeah, so we we never really do the scenario cards. Though. That was something that was introduced in Escalation, it's where it gives players like, like a preset. First. I think you might like it more now. It just kind of the scenarios kind of force you into a specific strategy for that one game, yeah. just because it gives you like starting. Uh, starting I don't think I got good draws on my scenario cards yeah. though. It's gonna, I mean, they're imbalanced on purpose, so they're not going to be the most, you know, some, sometimes you're going to have an uneven matchup, and that, especially in a two-player game, that mm-hmm. can hurt you a little bit. Yeah. Um, but yeah, Exotica, it's in stores now. Uh, like I said, if you're an Edmund Domain fan, definitely check it out, because um, it's very, very good. Uh, next on the list is one we actually just played a couple nights ago, Baseball Highlights 2045. I, I've, been, I've been waffling on this game for, for a really months, long time. Yeah. Months, because he's like, well, but... The deluxe version, he said, it's too much for what it is, and da 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 da. And then he gets it home, and he's like, "Yeah, nope, we're good." <laughs> yeah, it's it's. I mean, because well, it's published by Eagle Griffin, and Eagle Griffin games tend to go for a little bit more of a premium price uh, than most do. But we picked up the deluxe version, which has a handful of expansions already in the box. Um, Baseball highlights is a deck building game, um, but not in the traditional sense. It's more of a like deck replacement game where you have a team of 15 players and you start with a kind of like a scrub team of, of aging rookies and veterans. And it sort of simulates a game of baseball. Um, it's done very abstractly where on, on your turn you play a card um, and the card has an immediate effect that may affect your opponent in some way. Like it may take out some of their base runners or it may help you in some and way as well. And it may or may not have on the bottom somewhere potential threats from you like a single a double triple home run right so so like let's say i have a card that that after i do my immediate effect um then your opponent gets to move their base runners around if they have any um and on the bottom of the card let's say i have two singles at the bottom i would take two base runners um and place them at home plate and i'm basically threatening to hit those singles and then m would have a chance to play a card to react to that possibly um, before it gets a chance to resolve, he got real mad at me a couple times. Yeah, hey, you robbed me a couple times. Um, so you play through this game. Each game, you're only each playing six cards um, out of your hand, which you draw six cards at the beginning of the game. You have but to use them all. At the beginning of your turn, you can put a card in the on deck circle to be pinch hit later in the game if you want. Right, which might be like a like a clutch player that you can but, bring out, or it could just be a, a player you don't want to use. But you have to use one of the cards in your hand that actually has the PH symbol on it. And then each each card that you play has a monetary value on it as well. And at the end of the round, there's a row of free agents that you can buy that are significantly better players than what you start with. And significantly more expensive. Yes, and, and then you go through a buying round where you can add those players to your deck, but for every player you add... You have to remove a player. And the way you play this with two players is you play three of these mini games just to get some new players in your deck. And then you play a best of seven World Series to determine who's going to win the game. Um, We went to six games. We did go to six games. Emily won um, after pulling out three straights in in there. One of them was a whooping, too. So we're big baseball fans. So it's. We had a baseball themed wedding. I'd say we're pretty big baseball fans. We are pretty big baseball fans. (laughs) Um, So I, I did enjoy. Uh, baseball highlights not as a baseball game though i enjoyed it more of just the card game because the card play is really interesting i enjoyed the names on some of these cards (laughs) yeah all all the names of the players are uh are like just taking two famous 
baseball history names and mashing uh, like, them up together. Like, was it Barry Sosa? Yeah. Yeah, something like that. And then there was Dice K, Darvish, mm-hmm. or something like that. No, but I, I, I enjoyed the way, like, it's the, you know, the you know, act react style in the game where you're constantly reacting to what your opponent does while still trying to set yourself mm-hmm. up as well. I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. And and by the time you get to that like fourth or fifth game of your world series, like you have a really solid deck of players. Cause by that point you have six or seven of those free agents. I will say that last draw of the last game, I lucked out big time that I drew the card that I did. Well, and that's going to happen. I mean, that's that's just you know that's baseball to to, to some extent. So I baseball mean, that's is a fair. very funny game. But despite the fact that it's abstracted, I do feel like it does kind of adhere to baseball pretty well. Not as well as something like Bottom of the Ninth does, which I think did it really well. Um, I think that one's but more it's of a better than Pizza Box Baseball, which we've also played. I enjoy Pizza Box Baseball, though. I, it's too long-winded for it my is, No, it is, it is too long for what it is, and that's the one thing I do appreciate, too, because with this game, you can like we played nine of the small games with the buying rounds, and it only took us about 45 minutes to an hour yeah. to finish up. So I do I do like that. I'm looking forward to testing out some of the new free agents. I mean, it added, I think... Um, Something silly like sixty new cards to the free agent pool. Oh, good lord! Yeah, so there's a lot of variety in the game. You're never going to see the same players come out in in more than one game. So yeah, baseball highlights twenty forty five. Um, if you can find it, and if you're a fan of deck building games, uh, this one is definitely a winner. I would say. Um, before we recorded tonight, I wanted to try a game that we got in a math trade a couple weeks ago uh, that has been on the shelf. Uh, this is Pillars of the Earth Builders Duel. This is a Stefan Feld game. Uh, that is part of the two-player Cosmos line um, based off of the Pillars of the Earth. What is that? A, set, a series of books? Yes, I can follow it. Yeah. So in this one, um, you play rival builder, basically, or rival priest or whatever. Um, and you're each trying to build. Uh, one player is trying to build a cathedral, and the other one's trying to build like a castle, basically. And you need certain building materials in order to do that, certain resources. Um, there's different raw materials that you have access to as well that you have to convert into those resources. Uh, the way that the gameplay works is that you have this grid, uh, three by three grid of cards that gets dealt out that have different actions on them or different abilities. And the first player takes, each player has three of their seals in their player color, and you have to put them in a row or column or diagonal of cards, a three in a row, um, and basically claim three cards that you want to, that you want to use that round. And then the other player also claims a, uh, you know, a three in a row of cards, but they have to conflict with one of your cards. Um, so basically there's going to be competition for one card between the two of you each round. And the way you settle this is you have these seals, um, which are these double sided coins. Um, one side usually has a high number and the other side has a lower number. And this, you know, the start player flips them, whatever side comes up. That's the number that you have to spend and influence. And then the second player gets to flip their seals in order to try and beat that influence. But, of course, if you win the card, then you have to lose those seals um, back to a discard pile. So it it, prevents a runaway leader from happening just from lucky flipping. And that's pretty much it. You can then, you know, use your resources to build parts of your cathedral. Uh, whoever builds their cathedral first uh, before the game ends wins. Uh, it's The rules are pretty simple, uh, but it's got some really interesting gameplay. There's tons of different action cards that appear in different uh, at different times, which is very cool. Um, what did you think about Pillars of the Earth? Because I noticed you were really engaged when we were playing that one. Um, 
I enjoyed it because for, for as small a footprint as it has, it kind of really packed a lot of game. Yeah. You know, and I, I, you know, it's one of those like the limited amount of turns and everything, but I felt like I could, I felt like it, I, I could actually do a lot with this game. Mm-hmm. It was a little frustrating at first because I couldn't get, you know, what I wanted going. I couldn't get sheep to save my life. Mm-hmm. You kept stealing all the sheep. Hey, what can I say? <laughs> a game where it's really starting player is really important in this game, though. Yeah. Like it's really it's a huge deal to have that starting player you marker. Try and steal it sooner. I didn't line up, but that see that's the tough thing though is because since you have oh, to yeah, do wait, three in a row, the, cards, the yeah. way the cards line up. Now, when he he eventually wrestled away start player from me, and then uh, he went and he got to lay his things down first, and of course that completely screwed with what I wanted to do because mm. I'm like that's not where I wanted to lay my time. Yeah, it's it's and also the start player during the coin flipping thing um, wins ties, so it's super important to have that start player marker, mm-hmm. um, but in a good way. Like it's it's something you have to be cognizant of, and something you have to usually ensure partway through the game at least that you make a concentrated effort to get that or to hang on to it for that matter. So yeah, really good game. I have to, I have to give a shout out to Low Player Count podcast uh because they really turned me on to the Cosmos line, which we I think we had only had like Lost Cities out of that line and since then we've acquired a couple including like Perry Rodan which we talked about I think on our last episode. And now Mama's on a tear over here trying to look up all the ones in yeah. the series and I'm, I'm like, "Well, which ones are good? Which ones are bad?" Let's well, and, and of course, you know, the vast majority of them are out of print and hard to find. So. Yeah, one of them I look I saw it on Amazon. You can get it used for like $110. I'm like, "Uh, no." Yeah, we don't need to do all that, but uh, but yeah. So <laughs> I don't pi- want it that bad. So Pillars of the Earth Builders Duel, um, definitely worthwhile checking out if you if you are two players looking to play a solid like filler game. That's basically what it is, like filler length sort of thing, and kind of unique feel for a Feld game. It doesn't really feel like any other Feld game that we've played before. Yeah, because there's no points. No, there's not. <laughs> no, this it's, it's a race that is weird. <laughs> I didn't even think about that. So, huh. Well, there you go. <laughs> oh God. Okay. Next on the list. Well, this was a Kickstarter too, wasn't it? It was. I don't. We've for some reason we've forgotten to talk about this I for a couple we of weeks. So we played this twice now. I think we played. It's called Paradox. Um, it was a Kickstarter game. I Brad showed this to me, and I wasn't quite sold on it at first. He went ahead and backed it anyway. Mm-hmm. And uh, once we got home, we played it. It was actually quite fun. Yeah, this is um, it's sort of a set collection game mixed with Bejeweled is the best way, or Falling Block Puzzle Game, which is the best way to to really say it. So there's basically you have these row of cards that you can purchase, and the cards represent different worlds. But there's three different cards in each set that work across a different timeline. Um, there's a past of present and a future card for each of the different of these 12 different planets that are in the game and you're trying to stabilize the the time rifts that are popping up in the in the different worlds Um, and how big is the grid you have in front of you i can't remember it's like a five by five grid of tokens yeah you have these little cardboard tokens and they have different symbols and uh colors on them Mm -hmm. and uh yeah when you play certain cards, you have to have a certain number of these symbols in a row. Right. So so the way it works is, is you draft these cards into a tableau, and you got to resolve them quickly because each turn they're going to move down like a conveyor belt. And if they fall off of your player board, then you lose that card. And each timeline needs a certain number of color, specifically color chips, in order to stabilize it. 
Um, and the way that you do that is you go to your little your little falling block grid of five by five pieces, and on your turn you can you know exchange two chips that have the same symbol, but you're trying to line up four or five of the same color mm-hmm. in your grid. And if you can do that, then you actually take those out of your grid. You get to keep one or two of those chips and place them on cards that are in your tableau. And if you put enough of them on the card, then you resolve it and you put it into a, a score pile. The trick is, though, when you resolve these cards, there's like a time quake that's moving across the main board and a, and on a ring where each of the planets is represented. And wherever the quake stops, it actually destroys that planet because the thing is that of the cards in your score pile, the only cards that score at the end of the game are for planets that have not been destroyed by this quake. Now, you can repair planets that have been destroyed by the quake by spending black or white chips from your from your little puzzle grid, but you have to really be cognizant of which worlds are destroyed and which worlds are not, because if you have even if you have a big old set of cards from the same planet, if that planet's gone, you're not going to score any points for mm-hmm. it. And this one also has some different scenario cards that you can throw in the deck that change the rules of the game slightly and there's a bunch of different ones in the box so to give the game a different feel every time um i actually really enjoyed paradox and i'm not like emily is is the one who's the big falling block puzzle person Mm -hmm. i'm not a huge fan of that but i really enjoyed that element of the game when i got you a gold trophy on bejeweled on the playstation say what can i say so well, what you what did you think about Paradox? Because you're the you're the bejeweled fan around. I here, so. loved it. I absolutely loved it. Like I said, it has all the things I love. It has cards. Mm-hmm. It has that puzzle element. Mama was a happy girl. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and and like I said, I like the different scenarios being in there because it um it well, like said it'll mix it up a little and bit. Like it, we had the three. There's like three goal cards essentially. Yes, yeah. There's and, there's um, bonus cards you can get. So too. you can work towards them at the end of the game too, but you don't have to. I mean, there are tons of different ways to score in this. Mm-hmm. And that's and and I'm a sucker if you give me like a lot of replayability through having different you know being forced to pursue different strategies from game to game. I do really like that. So I don't know why we forgot to talk about Paradox. Me either. Um, but it's it's a really well-produced game um, and, and pretty fun, even with two players, uh, because there's it, it limits the cards that can be taken, basically, as you go along. So check it out if you get a chance. Um, definitely worth the pickup, I'd say. Um, we checked. We got a game called Ophir in a trade recently. Ophir is a game from, I think, Terra Nova Games, if I'm not mistaken. This is a pick-up-and-delivery game, um, but the key is that the board that you pick up and deliver on is really tiny. There's only, what, eight spaces or seven spaces on the board? Um, And each space will have a different type of resource on it. So you you have a boat, you sail around to these different, uh, different areas collecting resources, and then you take them to the marketplace to exchange them for money. Or which, to build the pyramid. Right. Or well, whatever it is. Well, see, you need money to buy gold and silver, at which you can then take to the pyramid to build levels onto it, which is going to get you victory points, which is what you're trying to get ultimately at the end of the game. Now, this game also has sort of like a head-to-head mechanic where whenever you would go into another player's space, you have to, each player has a die on their ship. Um, which kind of has their strength or their influence level. And when you, you roll your die and you try to beat that player's influence level, if you're successful, then you get to move in the space. If not, then you have to go back from once you came, but it knocks their <laughs> influence down by one. Um, I, I enjoy No Fear. I will say that for what it is, which is a really 
It's basic. Overproduced. Oh, it's super overproduced. It's overproduced. Oh my god! It's got. I'm just gonna say it. It's got like the thickest cardboard tiles I've I ever seen. No, I think. I think our son. I mean, he. He's two. Everything gets chewed on. He could not chew through this cardboard because he likes to take the punch board after we punch all the pieces out. Mm-hmm. And he could not chew through this cardboard. So, it was that thick. Right. So, and, <laughs> and it's, I mean, so ridiculously overproduced for what it is. The gameplay, I'll, I'll say this, I'm glad that it was two players. I cannot imagine having to constantly roll that influence die in a higher player count game bumping into people constantly that would drive me i think a little bit insane um but for what it is i'm i'm lukewarm on this one i'm lukewarm on it too because i look at something like akrotiri which is specifically a two-player game and it's a pickup and deliver game but it i think it does the genre much better Mm -hmm. than this does and you can get it for a lot cheaper price too on top of that i just i well and like i said it's not I think, like, we've played the pickup and deliver, but I played a lot with the programmed movement. I don't have anything. I think you, you're still stuck on Kings of Aaron's. I can't. <laughs> I don't know. I just, oh, it just made me mad. You've played so many other games that you enjoyed. Like, I know, we like great, that, We like Great Heartland Hauling Company. But that one just stuck in my crawl. Okay? I don't know why. I th- again, I think it's the <sighs> it's the program movement of that game that you didn't like. There's That's been other pickup and deliver games that, that you've enjoyed. I know that. And that's what I said. Enjoyed. It's nothing against pickup and deliver. It's just, this this game felt tedious to me. Yeah, and it does. It like, does I, get to that point. I felt like I had to do too much work. Well, and that and that's why I think something like Akrotiri works better is because in Akrotiri you have those objective cards that you're trying to to get to mm-hmm. build your to build your temples, and so it constantly gives you that that focus to get to. In Ophir, you're really just racing to get as much metal as you can to to throw at the temple to get it built as fast as possible and to get the most victory points. And if the game was a little pared down and was like a $30 game, it'll be a little more forgivable. But I think this thing costs like at least $50, if not 60 at retail. And it's just, it's not a $60 game. It, it is from a production value standpoint, but it's not from a gameplay standpoint. So I, I, I definitely do struggle it's to taking up valuable shelf space. That yeah, I need, that's fair. So hey, whatever. I'm, I'm sorry. Like I, I'm, I'm to the point now in my gaming life. Mm-hmm. I know what I like. I know what I don't like, and not that I didn't like it. It just right. It, I, it's, it overstayed its welcome. Yeah, I, it's me. it's not that I don't recommend Ophir because it's not a good game. I don't recommend it because there are other better options out there for in in the genre that it occupies. Especially like I said, if, you're, if you're playing with two people, right? Yeah, if you if you're a two player game, please go out and buy Akrotiri, and and you you won't need Ophir ever at all because Akrotiri I think is on a much higher plane. Than Ophir is, but uh, it's it's a decent game. Um, but yeah, like I said, I, I struggle to recommend it just because it is a very m- mediocre game. I'd say. Yeah. Uh, last but not least on the list. I'm so sorry that I did this to you last night. We played this last <laughs> night. I asked him. I've been exhausted. I've been stressed to the max at work and with everything else. I've just had a lot going on. I've been super stressed and just exhausted every night. And I told him, I was like, all right, if I stay up the night before and I'll play games with you, I need to go to bed 10, 30, 11 o'clock tomorrow night. So last night he says, all right, well, here, we're going to play this, thinking it's only going to take us an hour. Guess what time I went to bed last night? That would have been midnight. Yep. Yeah, we played a few acres of snow for the first time. I had no idea this game was going to take like an hour and a half to play, uh, which it did. This is the the two-player deck-building 
area control game from Martin Wallace. Um, I wanted to check this game out because we have Mythotopia, and we played it once, and I distinctly remember enjoying it, but we haven't played it since then, and that was almost <laughs> a year ago. So really? I wanted to. Was it? Oh yeah, it's been a while. Oh, well, put it to Lord. put it. We we talked about Mythotopia on our second episode of this podcast, and that was what number are we on now? On, this is twenty two. Oh geez. So that was a long time ago. Um, so you, you can look back at that for our thoughts on Mythotopia. Um, Few Acres of Snow came before Mythotopia. Mythotopia was kind of like a reimagined version of Few Acres of Snow. This one is specifically two players where one player is playing the French side, the other player is playing the British, and you're, contr- you're fighting to control different areas between basically like New England and, and parts of French Canada. Um, essentially. Honey, they had Baltimore and St. Mary's County and Cumberland on there. Come on now. I don't think that was Cumberland, Maryland, just based on where it was geographically on the map. Really? I'm not sure. Uh, you Do you know where Cumberland is? I don't remember. It's in Western Maryland. I know that. Uh, yeah, that's where it was on the map. <laughs> anyway. Learn this, your geography of your state, please. So this is, this is a deck building game where you have um, cards based on different locations that you have. And you're trying to use those cards. Each card has a few symbols on it. And you can use them in a variety of ways. You're ideally using them to settle different locations, to siege your opponent's locations, to seal them from them. Yes, and this all helps if you actually remember to take the cards, too. Because yeah, whenever I you ca- settle a new location, you have to get the <laughs> card out of the deck. I kept forgetting. And there's, there's also... So new cards that you can purchase um, as well. Some cards are free to purchase as well. Mm-hmm. But it takes an action. Each turn you only have two actions that you can do. Um, and it's a very tough game to manage because even discarding cards that you don't want to play requires the use of action. So you have to be really economical with what you do on your turns. Um, if you base, if you concede successfully the other player's capital... Um, you automatically win. If not, then the game will end after a preset condition where you total up points for different areas that you have control of and also er- um, areas that you've captured from your opponents throughout the game and whoever the most points wins. Um, I was trying to remember Mythotopia since it's been so long. I, I can't. <laughs> that's fine. I, I remember parts of it. And there are parts of Few Acres of Snow that I like better than Mythotopia and parts of Mythotopia that I like better than Few Acres of Snow. Obviously... I think Mythotopia struggles a little bit um, at lower counts because it's a game that's designed up to four. So is the map for that game. I remember it taking up a lot of real estate, but I don't remember much else. Well, I, I'm, I don't mean from a taking up real was estate it, standpoint. I mean have, it from a... Was there resources in different regions in that Yeah, one? yes, I think. I can't If remember. I recall correctly. I'm just going to shut up now because I don't it's remember fine. really. Um, so the map was a little big in Mythopia, so I liked In Few Acres of Snow is a little bit more focused um, and a little bit tighter with that one. Um, I also liked better In Few Acres of Snow that it was a bit more clear what you should be doing, I guess. Mythotopia, there's objectives that are randomized before each game that you use to try to get victory points. And in Mythotopia, it's, it's if I recall correctly, you have to get to a certain number of victory points and then end the game without a war being without a war going on essentially um but i like the varying objectives in mythotopia because it like i said it forces you to change up your strategies as you go as well so i i like both games um i don't feel like we need both games but i'm also not sure which one we should or shouldn't keep and i'll give you i'll give you credit to him because even though you were dead tired last night you you did seem pretty engaged with what was going on I was. And enjoying I was yourself. Like, I, I was trying. In between turns, I'm laying my head on the table because I'm just like 
going to pass out, and I'm looking at my cards. <laughs> mm-hmm. I think I did pretty well. You did. You I did. Was, I was dog tired. I only lost by like 11 points or something. So. Well, and, and the thing is, too, with this one, I, I'm leaning towards a few acres of snow just because um, I feel like it's going to play a little bit quicker once we... Since we've played it now, we're a little bit more accustomed to it. Whereas I think Mythotopia, just because of the vastness of what there is to do, is still going to be a longer game. Um, and I, this game, if these types of games can overstay their welcome if they run on a little too long. So I think Fuecus Stone might, we might be able to get it down to that hour mark now that we've played it and kind we'll of have see. a sense for what's going on. Um, I enjoyed the game though. I'm glad I got to play it. It's one of those games that's been out for a while um, that I've kind of had an eye on for some time. I like the art. Yeah, the art's pretty cool. Um, it's very like historically accurate, I guess you'd say. <laughs> There's pilgrims and yeah, Native Americans, Native and stuff Americans, like that. and yeah, it's very cool. I like. Them. I like the art in Mythopia though. That's that fantasy based. I don't know. I like them both, but I don't feel like we need to keep both. So that'll that'll be something to figure out. As we go down the road there. But if you were going to snow, um, definitely check it out. And uh, another Martin Wallace game to add to the <laughs> to add to the collection. Not surprised. So that's that's what's new for us. Uh, we're going to take a short break when we come back. Uh, we're going to be talking about cooperative games and specifically cooperative games with two players. So stay tuned. Welcome back. So uh, the topic for this week's episode is going to be cooperative games. Um, this is a genre of games that uh, we uh, we have quite a few of. We've, we've played quite a few co-ops. Yeah, as much as we like to punch each other in the face when we play games, we do like... The, to get punched the, in the face. Yes, together. <laughs> we, we like to get punched in the face as a team. So why <laughs> why do you why do you like cooperative games? Um because I can't always keep up that level of oh my god and that snarkiness with you. Sometimes, oh, yeah. sometimes I like to be on the same side. Fair I do. Enough. I do love you. You know. Well, I I like them because <laughs> they are uh, they're kind of like a puzzle to solve. Most cooperative games are because obviously you're working against a common a common threat, um, and it also kind of scratches the itch of like dungeon crawl games, which we don't play a lot of because you normally need a dungeon master and it, we don't normally like to do that. It's, they don't usually work as well with two players as they do in like a group setting. Um, so if you can find a good co-op game that has a pretty good AI baked into the game, that's a pretty good feeling as well to have that kind of dungeon crawly kind of feel for co-op games. Plus you can get, you know, a lot of co-op games are really story driven, which is a lot of fun. So basically it's like, Playing a video game together—is that what you're saying? Yeah, kind of, sort of. That's that's actually a really good, uh, really good comparison. So, so what are some things? Um, well, you know, we'll talk about likes and dislikes when we get to the end of the segment. We'll actually give you some recommendations and some ones to avoid uh, when playing with two players for co-op games. Um, but what are some things that you like seeing in co-op games? Um, I like a good scale of difficulty. I don't like if it's too easy, too difficult. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You got to find that like where they have, uh, which one was it? I can't remember which game it was, but it, you know, ramped up. It ramped up, you know, steadily perfect, throughout the yes, game. Yes. You okay. can't, you can't just punch somebody in the face right off the bat. I don't think that's fair. Right. I mean, that's that. And that's like, we'll get it. Like difficulty is actually kind of a really important thing of co-op games because it's, a, it's difficult to strike 
that good balance between, like you said, being the just right level of difficulty between too busy and, and even, too hard. Like, even within certain games that we have, mm-hmm. um, uh, Legendary Encounter specifically, uh, playing the four Alien movies, certain movies were easier than others. You know right. what I mean? So... Well, and, and so there's a game, um, so, like, we're going to be referencing a bunch of games on the list as we go along. So, like, something like, um, what's a good example here of, of what I'm trying to say? I'm now I'm losing my train of thought here. So, so, like, something like Galaxy Defenders we tried, which was one of those games that was, like, a dudes on a map sort of thing um, that had a game AI built in. And that game was just, like, brutalizingly difficult from the outset, whereas you get something like Zombicide, for example, another game that's similar, but Zombified gradually scales you up. Zombified. So I Zombified. Zombicide <laughs> gradually. That's what your wife is right now. <laughs> well, <laughs> you're a little bit more aware than a than a zombie would be. But anyway, zo- Zombicide gets harder as you get better because the 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 difficulty on the spawn cards increases based on how your characters are leveling up and also kind of forces you to work as a team because you have, if you have one character getting all the experience points, you're going to make it really tough on your entire party um, because they're the only ones that will be able to cope with the, <laughs> with, with the zombie threat that's happening on there. I thought of another one you left off the list. Oh, what's that? Dead of Winter. Oh, yeah. Well, that, that one, that, Dead of Winter adds some, some like, they have a full uh, pure co-op mode in there, but that one has the traitor mechanic in it, too, which I think kind of layers on a different gameplay for that because you always have to be watching over your shoulder every that time well. we played it we've played co-op that's like we i don't know yeah. that we've played the specific co-op thing but we haven't oh had no we just we just it. happen to have and have it have happened to have not had a traitor oh, okay. all the times that we played but it, the possibility still still exists that you just don't know as you go along um i like games that have a different feel to them every time with co-op games because that's and see that's the problem why we don't really play pandemic regular all that frequently because it's kind of samey like you're kind of doing the same stuff yeah the the cities that get infected will be different and the cards that pop out will be different um whereas something like just you know completely different end of the spectrum but eldritch horror has a wildly different setup depending on which great old one you have, depending on which characters you're using, depending on the cards that come out, depending on how you roll during your tests and stuff oh, like that. Oh, Lord, yes, how you roll. Yep, so I I, I like the variety, because that's, that's what's going to keep you coming back every time. I don't like having to face the same the same set of monsters or the same challenge or the same... And, and something like Robinson Crusoe, which has six different scenarios in the box, which with even more of them available Honey, to download. He is not... Related to David, it's Caruso. Everybody says Caruso. Everybody says Caruso, not Caruso. I just wasn't paying attention to myself that time. It's but not yeah, Horatio's I, brother. Okay. I I like that variety in games. What other what other stuff are you a big fan of in co-ops? I like when it has a good theme. Honestly. Yeah, I th- I, th- I, I theme is a big thing for me with the co-op games because. I feel it just really kind of brings me into the whole thing. I I agree with you in that I think that theme is something that's hugely important in co-ops more so than in competitive games because you have to have something to kind of kind of latch on to. It's not fun to push cubes around. I like the story. I like having the little bit of backstory and and everything else with it, you know, and how things develop. Mm -hmm. I like it. Well, and 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 we'll see as we go along, but I definitely think that. uh, a lot of the story-driven games are ones that uh, ones that we like quite a bit. 
um, just because that's how we like. So let's let's flip the script a little bit. What things have you seen in co-op games that you dislike? Um. Well, I mean, you touched on the crushing difficulty. I think we talked oh about God. that. Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry, but I mean, that's just I I can't I can't stand that. Like, you have to have a good scale. You do. You really just have to have that good scale where you can scale it back on player count. You. Ugh. Well, and, that, I mean, that's, that's the biggest thing. Well, that's a huge thing for us, too, is because a lot of co-op games are, are designed with a certain player count in mind. And if you if you don't scale it just right when you're when you're designing the game, it can really create a, a wonky experience. Um, it was even said that the, in the Legendary series, um, before they kind of tweaked the distribution of the different cards in the decks, that it was almost impossible at higher counts and too easy at lower counts. With that game, so I mean that's um it's and something that designers are always looking at all the time, um but I think that that's something that yeah you definitely have to be cognizant of, and I think like other like we mentioned Zombicide that does it really well because they have the scaling quests in the quest book that scale the difficulty instead. Um, I don't like game now. This is going to sound funny in games where precision is needed. I hate games that rely a lot on die rolls. Now I don't mind in like Eldritch Horror. Or Agents of Smirch, because those games are telling a story. But to go back to Galaxy Defenders, a game that requires a ton of precision, um, that game was so brutally unforgiving. And it's partially because of the die rolling, that if you whiffed on die rolls, then you were just dead in the water. And that was it. But it, but like I said, it's weird, because I still, you know, I don't mind it in Eldritch Heart. I don't mind failing tests, because it's normally not... It, you don't lose the game based on that one poor outcome it's the collection of poor outcomes that <laughs> that gets you in those um but but it, yeah this is very inconsistently weird because there's some games i don't mind it and some games that i do um but like something like elder sign 2 is a game where if you roll poorly the entire game it's just not fun because you're just gonna be feeling challenges left and right and there's no way to progress forward if you don't roll successfully so i mean the luck factor is, is as long as you can give me a way to mitigate it i don't care that much but don't be too patronizing in that point, too. You know what I mean? Mm. Don't say, okay, I'm going to slap you in the face with this, but then, oh, here, you can get this card that's going to make everything better again. No, don't do that. Yeah, that 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 part in Legacy, like when we got, well, the spoilers, but when later on in the game when some stuff happened that we were, we got a little sour about later in the game. Yeah. So, like I said, that's, that's a whole other episode that we did, though. Um, any other things that kind of grind your gears with co-op <laughs> games? <laughs> All right, Peter. Um, <laughs> Shrug. Lord, now you're putting me on the spot again. Uh, That's okay if you can't think of anything Brain else. not functioning. Yeah. Can't think of anything right now. Okay. Fair enough. Um, th- for me, length is an important one, too. And it's and it's and I'm going to go a weird direction with this. I hate it when they're too short. I, I like kind of going through that puzzle together. And I guess it's probably because a lot of the co-op games that I like are you know, like Eldritch Horror we're talking about and Zombicide, which can take up to two hours. Um, so I, I don't like, because it's because usually co-op games tend to have a little bit more of a setup to them than other games do, or at least the ones that we play do. So it's yeah, really stinks. Yeah, and we always get, play them after bedtime for the boys. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to get a shower. You go ahead and set it up. Yeah. <laughs> so we, we talked about difficulty a little bit. Um, I think we had the conversation we need to have around that. It's just, like I said, it's... It's a tough thing to do, and, I, and this is, I mean, I don't design games because I don't think I'm 
you know, insightful enough to do it. But yeah, striking that good balance is important because if the game's too easy, obviously you're never going to want to take it out and play it again. I mean, and I think well, Pandemic gets to that point is one of those games too. And like, what, what was the leg- first Legendary we played? Uh, uh, Marvel? The Marvel Legendary? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we played that. Oh, it's way too it easy. It was yeah, yeah, so yeah. easy. Like, we played... Before we even played a two-player game, um, we had a couple of our friends over, and we played a four-player game, and we won, like, no problem the first two times, like, because we played twice in a row. And it just was, I was like, okay, that's too easy. It's not, it's mm. no fun if it's too easy. Right, and I think Encounters strikes that balance yes. really well between being too easy and too hard. But by the same token, like I said, uh, half of the scenarios were easier than the other half. Right. I yeah, and I think that's just more of a byproduct of the scenario itself. But those scenarios could I, I also feel like we've had scenarios in that game where we just drew exceptionally well and that's what got us and through pretty quickly. Exceptionally horribly. Right. So I mean and that's and, and I don't like I said, I don't mind a little bit of luck, but I you just gotta strike that balance. Whereas something like um ghost stories I think skews towards the the too hard side of things. Oh, definitely. Especially with less players. I think that's that that's the killer with that but one we there. we love it. Yeah, it's it, I, it's it's one I don't it's mind getting brutalized, but it's it's really it's re- like we've only won what like two or three times playing that game, and we and played, we played it, it at least like ten or twelve. <laughs> yeah, so that so it, it, that's a tough thing though because you you want to. It's like you got to dangle the carrot far enough because you got to provide the incentive to want to keep coming back. I I don't. So we were having this discussion right before, you know, we had dinner tonight about Warhammer. Mm -hmm. And you're like, you know, I don't mind losing in that game. And I said, well, I do. I'm getting kind of salty because we can't win for losing. Mm-hmm. I mean, I feel like every time we get to a certain point, we're like the Capitals in the playoffs. We can't get past yeah. the second round. But see, I don't mind losing in Warhammer because I, I feel like the gameplay is so good that it makes up for the result. You know what I mean? It's kind of like, and it's like Elder Tar in that sense where I have so much fun when I play I'm a that the outcome doesn't right matter. That's, and that's fair. And I, and I think our problem is I think we played poorly in the first game, and that's one of those games. There you go. We, we can throw that as a dislike. Wait, what's his What's his name? Oh my Who's, god! Um, Odious Grump is that yes. who you're trying to think of Odious the, the Grump one villain in the game? Kiss my butt! Right. So, and this is a game. So, like a campaign driven game where everything slides downhill is and if not you fun. Don't, if you don't right. beat the bad guy for that scenario. Then he he follows you to the next thing, and you and if he pops out, yeah. you got to try and beat him again. Well, Odious Grump has been following us around for like three or four scenarios here. Yeah, so War, Warhammer's I'm tired of his butt. Warhammer's one of those games that it's if if you don't do well early, it makes it harder for you down the road, which it might not be so. Like I said, Emily says she's not having as good a time playing that one as we once were. So that's and that's that's a very valid point. And so I'm sorry if I'm not having fun playing it, I'm not going to want to play it. So let's handle. Um, let's talk about an issue that's that co-ops games are pretty famous to share, um, and I think it's a bigger issue with two players, just because there's less people that you have to attempt to influence. And that's quarterbacking, where one player basically tells all the other players the plan of attack. Um, I don't feel like this is a problem for us too badly because I feel like that we make a conscious effort to discuss strategies with one another. Unless unless there's an obvious strategy that's so good that one of us is just like, oh, no, we have to do this because this will happen kind of deal. We also know each other very well. And that definitely <laughs> helps, too. But I but I think that's 
that works to the co-op's advantages if you're especially if you're a couple and you've been gaming and you know you know each other's tendencies and stuff like that um to help that I could see where quarterbacking would be a huge issue if you especially if you have someone who is a more avid gamer in the group with someone paired up with someone who's not so avid a gamer because then they'll be basically playing both sides and that's no point in that that? yeah Yeah. no point at all but i think it definitely you know much like at any player count especially at two players you really have to do be aware of that problem because you don't want to dampen the experience for the other person that's playing where they're just kind of you know riding in a sidecar as i said i really don't feel like we've had that issue though at all no, and because it's it well for me, I I can speak from my standpoint with it. I consciously am aware of it, so I make it a point to not just jump in and say, "Hey, I we sh- we're going to do this because I said so." Like I always try to elicit your feedback on strategy, just because I don't want that to ever be a problem. And you do the same as well. You never just barge forward with a strategy. You always, you know, ask me what I think about it or do I have a better plan, that kind of stuff. And I love games like I, and again, legendary encounters does this really well where they have cards that you can share with the other player. And it actually encourages you as, you know, if it's not your turn to be like, Hey, I have this, do you need this? I can help you. And it kind of gets everyone involved into the, into the process. Yeah, and that's nice because then you're not just sitting there your entire turn twiddling your thumbs. Right, you're, you're waiting for you're somebody more engaged else to, you know, at, with what's going you're on. Constantly engaged. There you go. There's there's something. There's, constant engagement. There's yeah. there's a a like. I need constant engagement and a dislike. If you uh, have me sitting idle for too long, mm-hmm. don't like it. Well, I mean that's that's true of a lot of most games. I would think. For for sure, not there's not exclusive some games to that we played. I don't know how you would play at a higher player count because there would be way too much downtime in between turns. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, so so we've kind of broken down like what our you know thought processes with co-ops, likes, dislikes, that sort of stuff. So let's start with co-op games that we've played um, that you should probably stay away from if you're only playing with two players, just because not because they're bad games, but because they just don't work well. Um, the first one is a game that I was so excited for. Yeah. It's because you played the crap out of the video. I game. did. It was XCOM, the board game, which really revolutionary game. We got on pub last year. Um, it, it's got the app. It takes place in real time. Looked like a lot of fun. The problem is when you play, there's, there's four different roles in the game, but, and all four roles have to get played. So if you're playing with two players, that means each of you is splitting up half the duties. And I just don't think that Eric Lang designed the game to be played with two players. I think when he designed that game, he said this is a four-player experience, and then anything else that happened after that was kind of shoehorned in to the mix. And it just did not click with Emily and I whatsoever (sighs) when you're playing it. So I I, I would say if you have a... That was was a... That was a punch you in the face right from the start and not let up until you were bloodied and broken on the ground. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that that's one where I, if you have a steady group of four, might be one you want to check out. If you have two, I would say stay far away from. Um, the next one I actually added to the list because in having the discussion we had, he was like, well, maybe you should put that on the list. And that's Warhammer, mm-hmm. where it was fun at first. Now we're like four different quest in and i'm not enjoying myself right now Mm -hmm. at all and and i think the problem here so in the game um depending on your player count your characters have more health but the issue is is that in a lower player count game you're going to have to have more enemies coming at you because the thing is that the number of enemies that spawn 
in each location is not player dependent. So the game gives you that buffer to have more health, but it it's not enough health to balance out the fact that you're going to be getting smacked in the face constantly mm-hmm. every single round. So I've been reading on BGG with this. Some people suggest if you're going to play two, play, two, two players, you have to each play two characters mm-hmm. and play the four-player game. And that might be something that if we try another quest with that one, maybe we'll do that instead to try and balance it out a little bit. I hear, I hear that three is like the perfect level for that game, though. So maybe... I don't know what we'll do about that. Maybe we'll have like a community hero that we both have say over <laughs> in, in the mix. Who knows? Um, but yeah, I, I even though I am enjoying the game, like I'm not as down on it as Emily is right now. I definitely see where she's coming from because we have gotten kicked in the face a lot with the game. I need what I need out of a cooperative game. I need that little sliver of hope. Mm-hmm. And that every once in a while, I'm going to I'm going to get there like I might not get there this game, but maybe the next game I'm going to get there and I'm going to make it this time. This one gives me zero hope whatsoever. Mm-hmm. I go into this saying I know I'm going to lose, so what's the point? Yep. So the last one to avoid, and this is more of the dudes on the map variety. We've talked about Galaxy Defenders negatively so far um, in this segment. Do not buy this game if you have two players, because the problem is it suffers the same problem as Warhammer. It is a game that was designed for like four to five, and the scaling back to two just isn't good it enough. It doesn't work. Like, I, don't, I don't think we ever even beat the first mission in this game. No. Because it's it was that difficult to play, um, and the game and the gameplay was fine. Like it's it's it, it advertised itself as like being XCOM, like not not the management side of XCOM, but like the on the ground missions of XCOM. And I could definitely see that. But man, oh man, like it just it just kicked you constantly with two players, and there was no way around it. Um, I even tried soloing the game and had the same problem. So it's just not a game that scales well for low players. Um, not recommended uh, if you only have two so we have five games these are in no particular order um that we do recommend if you have two players uh the first one shouldn't be a surprise if you listen to the show regularly uh the legendary encounter series is great 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 um great deck building game but it's a great co-op game with two players because again it does a great job of scaling the way that you construct the decks during the game and the fact that you are constantly engaged like emily said helps this game quite a bit oh yeah i love this game yep I love this game so much that we caught wind that there's going to be an expansion. I already bought sleeves to sleeve it, she and I don't lying. know. And I don't know how many cards are going to be in it. She yet. ain't lying. We do have a whole case, the whole case of the sleeves just for the for the expansion that we know yep, is coming. I'm ready. It's going to be good times. I'm but yeah. ready. But yeah, definitely, and, and and highly recommend this over Marvel Legendary, which Marvel Legendary is not a straight cooperative game. It's one of those cooperative games. But it's too easy. It's too easy. This it's this this easy. one has just the right amount of challenge because even if you get your teeth kicked in, you'll still probably progress a decent way through the scenario and also know what you did poorly so and can next play time better. You can win. Yep. Right. That's what we've had. Um, next is Pandemic: The Cure, the dice chucking one. We uh, got this and we love it. Mm-hmm. And and we I. Love it. And and while we love Pandemic Legacy, and we do recommend that everyone check that out for a great story experience, um, if you have to choose between Vanilla Pandemic or this, I would go with The Cure every time, just because the roll of the dice adds that variability, which makes it fun. So with this one, mm-hmm. my best friend and her husband got into the hobby, and they bought Pandemic, and they play the crap out of regular Pandemic. And... um 
one of the times they were up here visiting, uh, we had them sit down and play The Cure with us, and they were like, uh, I want this one. I don't want to play the other one anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize. Did they end up buying it? I, I'm not sure if they did or not. Okay. I know they don't get to do a lot of gaming when they're home. Mm-hmm. Um, so... But yeah, they they definitely enjoyed that more than regular pandemic. And okay. they even have like the expansions for regular pandemic, but like certain ones they can't even play yet because they need a third person. Mm. And she's like, Well, I kinda hate that. She's like, But at least with that one with the dice chucking, she's like, You can just, you know. I said, Yeah. yeah. I said, It's great. Yeah, it's and, and the cure, like we actually we haven't played the cure since we play since we picked up Legacy because we were so Endowed with legacy that we uh no it wasn't that it was you you would didn't well want, I didn't want to play another get, pandemic game while we were in the middle get of it burnt out on pandemic I didn't so well, which the, I get but now that we're done with pandemic legacy yeah, we gotta I'm get that through, one back I'm going through withdrawal so you need to get the cure to that's the table. fair that's fair um next up uh, is our favorite of the like story See how I did that going through withdrawal give me the cure <laughs> you're lucky I love you <laughs> <laughs> so. Um, the next one is is a game that scratches that uh that story itch for us, and that's Eldritch Horror, which we've played twice in the past week. <laughs> After not playing it for a while, yeah, I I just love this one because I really get immersed into the theme. Um, I really enjoy seeing all the terrible things that'll happen to your investigators as one, you go along. The the second time we played it, we actually played it with two friends, and we literally. Snatched defeat from the jaws of victory, as Brad likes to say. Right, we lost. We lost on the last Mythos card. If we had survived the card, then we would have. We would have. Uh, we would have won the game, but yeah. uh, but not quite so Stupid much with this one. one. But uh, but no, I mean, and, and but see, that's the thing. Like even with that, like I was like, oh man, you got to be kidding me. But I, I wasn't mad about it. You know what I mean? Normally well, you get even, mad. Even the game we played where we went through what like nine, ten investigators. Mm-hmm. We still had fun. Oh, we were laughing our butts off because we had people dropping like flies left and I right. I just gotten I just gotten a new character. My guy died a horrible, horrible death. I just get a new character and then something happened and I had a dark pact and it's like you flip it over and it's like you hear cloven who's behind you. Da 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 da. You are dead. I'm like, son of a bee, I just got this one. Now I got I said, honey, give me another one. <laughs> well, and that's what I love about Elder is that you're always going to have a story to tell after the game. Like, there's now we got Elder Sign as trying to be like an Elder Tar light kind of thing, but I didn't like Elder Sign as much. Like, I well, because it didn't have the story. It was it was too basic. It was it was go it was go to this place, try to roll these symbols of dice, and then if you pass it, great. If not, you don't. But there was no story to the right, game. Like there right. was no there was no nothing to keep you engaged. And I, mean, it, I don't even care that, that Elder Tar. Goes back to the things that I that I right grasping onto that theme. I, I need that theme. I need that story. And like I said, it doesn't care, it doesn't matter to me that Elder Tar. There's a total of you know twenty minutes between setup and breakdown. Like it's it's so much fun to play. And well, it's easier now since we got those card trays. Isn't it, it is, yeah. But it's 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 such a it's such a terrific game. Um, and if I want a storytelling game, that's the one that I'm always going to go to. With Agents of Smirch, we only played once, and that one's pretty good too. The one time I enjoyed that because Agents of Smirch has like this giant ass book, right? That you but it's go got that through. cheesy spy theme. But I yeah. yes, but it's it great. Says, it's great. It says like the goofiest stuff. I love it. I absolutely love it. Now the next one uh, is it's your turn. You talk. It's my turn. <laughs> it's your turn. Your turn. We're you off dating. We're off dating. <laughs> um, next on the list is Burgle Bros, 
which is one we've actually played several times now, and mm. we've loved it every time. Again, it's it's the theme. Like, I love the theme. I love the different rooms that you can stumble into that might, you know, like you stumble into an atrium and you go through the door. And, oh, but if no, you don't, no, the atrium, you fall, you down, fall down to the or, floor below you. Or, like, you might stumble into a room that has, or like a bathroom, you can hide in the stalls in case the security yeah, guard comes by, which is really cool. Um, or the ones where you set off the alarm as soon as you walk in. It's like, oh, man. And, and, and like I said, I love I love the writing setup. I love this is one where you have to like game the game kind of and but it's cool because it's 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 how you work it and you know purposely setting off alarms to lure guards away from certain players like mm-hmm. if they're about to get caught. This one's really fun. Um, this is a Tim Fowers game that it's it, it's a Which really we in love with his other game too, paperback. Well, he has two other games with Walkstar apparently is. So, so oh, I don't know about that one, but I know yeah. I love paperback. So now paperback's great, completely different type of game, of course. But yeah, Burgle Brothers or Burgle Bros, whatever you want to call it. Um has I like Burgle Bros. It just sounds fun. Yeah, but that's that's been one that's been a huge, huge hit with us. No surprise, last on the list is Zombicide. Well, so because this is the one game that is a cooperative game that has the the game programmed AI. That just works because it's simple. Like in, in Galaxy Defenders, you had these really complicated cards that if this monster is at this range, then it does this. If it's at this range, then it does this. In Zombicide, move one space, and if you're on, if it's on the space with a hero, it attacks. And when it attacks, it does a damage. That's it. It's it's not it's not super complicated. It's not super hard. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a game that does require teamwork. Because, like I said, if you have one player that's getting all the glory kills running around the map, then it, they're going to bury you because the game's going to get so hard that you won't be able to handle it. And I love like the oncoming zombie horde. I remember when we played the last game, we opened up the one house that had like seven rooms, and there were just like a glut of zombies just all over the place in oh, it that we the, were trying the to. The funniest part, I think I took a picture and posted it to Instagram. Um, we literally, I think just about every zombie on the board ended up in this one room, mm-hmm. and then we just kind of nuked them and was done with yeah, it. Yeah, throwing the dragon bile in there and yes. lighting the place on fire. That was that was so much fun. Honey, hmm. are you sure it was dragon bile? I think that's a different game. No, no, that's this game. Was it? Yeah, it's bottom positive. Absolutely. Are you sure it was dragon bile? Mm-hmm. Yep. Maybe Torch I'm thinking about Game of Thrones. I don't know. And but, the whatever, that wildfire, whatever it is. Yeah, but yeah, the Zombicide, of, of all the games that we've played that does that cooperative against the computer, against the program Dungeon Master game, this one absolutely does it the best, I would say. Um, and, and, and Black Plague specifically. Um, I've heard that uh, we've never played the other Zombicide games, but I really I've heard that this one we jumped really, in on the Kickstarter on Black Plague. Yeah, but I, but I've heard that this one is like the best version, just because they've refined a lot of the rules that were a little hinky in the previous versions, and and I like the theme a lot better too. I'm not a big fan of the uh, modern day zombie theme, but I like the medieval. Well, I one. told you how much I hated the remake of Dawn of the Dead, right? Because I'm sorry, it does not have the same effect when. The zombies, you know, you're used to zombies walking slow, and no matter how fast you run, they catch mm. up to you at their slow pace. I don't need fast zombies. I right. need slow zombies. <laughs> and and again, with this one, um, works great with two because we each control three of the six characters um, that you use throughout the game. And it's not too hard to control them because all you have to do is manage their inventory and manage their experience points as they level up and yep. move them around the board and stuff. So good good times with that one. So that's it. Um, hope you guys got some good insight on two-player co-op games. Hope, hopefully you check out some 
some of the ones we recommended and see if they work well at your table as well. Please talk to us on social media. Yeah, so if you have any that uh, that we missed or that you recommend, any suggestions. We're always open to it as well, and we're always curious to hear about that as well. So uh, that's all for us with this show. Um, just a reminder, real quick, that we are affiliated with the Nerdpocalypse Studios Network. Make sure you do check out all the other excellent shows on there, including the Nerdpocalypse Dense Pixels, Black on Black Cinema, Mouthful of Toast, and you can also check out the premium membership, just five bucks a month or fifty dollars a year. That gets you access to the airing of grievances, the Look Forward Political Podcast, the Men with the Golden Tongues, and No Time to Bleed, our action movie podcast. Very very cool there. Um, again, five us on facebook and twitter uh, if you use soundcloud again soundcloud.com slash tabletop for two look out for those shows if not just use itunes or whatever podcaster that you use and again if you're listening to this on friday april the 8th um, we will be at unpub six on saturday the 9th all day if you're there come by and say hello we'd love to we'd love to meet you and uh, and and say hi to you guys so that's it for us though um, we'll see you guys in another couple weeks i'm sure we'll be talking all about our experiences at Unpub 6. Yep. Uh, but until then, catch you later. Bye.